into a brand new week of Cycle Talk SA, episode 14. My name is Brad Brown. I'm your host. Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast uh, aimed specifically at the South African cycling market. A uh, pretty mixed bag on this week's show and uh, a really cool interview as well. One of the best feel-good stories I've heard in South African cycling for a long, long time. Uh, I'll share that with you on this week's show as well. Before we get into the lineup, though, uh, don't forget, as always, if you want to be in touch, you can. All you have to do is pop me an email, podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. You can also tweet us at cycletalksa or pop us a message on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com forward slash cycletalksa. In this week's show, uh, this past weekend in Gauteng was the Africa Cycle Fair, and I was really looking forward to it, if I had to be dead honest. Uh, and then ended up becoming sick as a dog. I've been battling with a bit of flu and a really bad cough the last week and a half. So I haven't been on the bike. Actually, haven't been able to do much of anything. Feeling a lot better today. So uh, really glad that I could get this podcast out. But someone who did end up going to that Africa Cycle Fair was Stuart Pickering from Cycling Direct. And he caught up uh, with Grant Usher, and they chatted a little bit about single-speed cyclocross. Yes, you heard it right. It's coming up on this week's show. Uh, and then I also decided this week that I was going to launch something that I've done for a couple of other of our podcasts. And with the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge coming up, I thought, why not do something for charity? And you can get involved too. And the best part about it, it's not going to cost you bucks uh, cost you a hundred rand maximum, but you stand the chance to win some serious cash for a charity of your choice. I'll give you details on that charity wager in this week's show as well. And then I also touched base with JP Fonsale. Uh, and the name might ring a bell. He's uh, an Olympian, but he's done some amazing, amazing things uh, in the world of cycling, and in particular, African cycling. He is one of the directors of the World Cycling Center Africa, and I chat to JP about what they do and some of the great initiatives and, and great riders that they're discovering here on the continent of Africa. That's about it for the intro. Enough of me waffling. Let's get straight into this week's show. And the first chat is uh, Stuart Pickering catching up with Grant Usher at the Africa Cycle Fair. I'm here at the Africa Cycle Fair with Grant Asher, as he says, South Africa's single speed dude. Grant, what an exceptional cyclocross race we just saw. Yeah, it's been absolutely great. I think it was sort of the unofficial African cyclocross champs. I think it's been the biggest crowd that we've had at a CX event before, and it's been great. I think the, the uptake was really good. Um, the crowds were great, and uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of heckling going on, a foam machine. What more could you ask for? You know, and it's awesome to have the Africa Cycle Fair hosting us here today, and sort of Ross from Art Logic to put something like this on. I think really bringing bringing the people together um, to a place where they can come and enjoy sort of good food, good beer, see some awesome new product, and just really have a great time. And I think the CX race just just added to that. Absolutely, I've been very impressed with the crowds I've seen here today. I mean, it's been it's been non-stop since ten o'clock this morning when it opened, and even with some really rather strong winds around here, we're still doing very well. And we got tomorrow as well. Yeah, that's right. I think um, the word's definitely spreading. Yesterday was sort of fairly slow. Today's been absolutely insane. I mean, it's been very, very busy, which has been great. I think it's good for the vendors. It's good for sort of everybody just out here having a great time. Um, and we're definitely expecting some more crowds tomorrow. The weather's been playing the game. It has been windy, but uh, not impossible, thank goodness. Brilliant. Thanks very much for your time. Cool. Thank Pleasure. you. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, by all accounts, that Africa Cycle Fair was a great success, and I look forward to the next one. Uh, it sounds uh, like it was an amazing, amazing day out. Uh, I mentioned in the intro about uh, a chance for you to get involved if you're riding the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge and win some money for a charity of your choice. Well, this is sort of uh, what I was thinking, okay? I did it for the Comrades Marathon with our sister podcast, Run Talk SA, uh, earlier this year, and it worked a charm. It is uh, just such a cool idea, and people really warmed to it. So I'm hoping to do the same for the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge this year. If you're riding, or even if you're not riding, if you know someone who's riding, what I need you to do, okay, is predict your time. Let's talk about you. Let's say you are riding. Predict your time. So if you say you're going to ride it in 3.41 or 2.57, whatever the time is, it doesn't really matter. All you need to do, okay, is predict your time. That's the first thing you need to do. The second thing you need to do is put 100 Rand into the combined pot, so to speak. So I'm going to have a combined pot. You don't need to give any money right now. Uh, it'll come at the end, and you'll see exactly how it'll work. So uh, you, you pledge 100 Rand into this charity wager, right? You, you bet what your time is going to be, and then you nominate a charity of your choice, can be anyone, as long as they are a non-profit organization and they are legitimately registered, uh, it doesn't matter who it is, okay? So you predict your time, you say you're going to give 100 Rand and you need to keep to your word as well, and then you nominate the charity, okay? Then what happens is we're going to get a whole bunch of people onto this charity wager list for comrades, just so you know, we had over 50, so that was over 5,000 Rand uh, that went to a specific charity. And then after race day, uh, I'll get all those times, uh, the actual finish times, and see who was the closest to predicting their finishing time if you're the closest you will win that money for your charity and then what will happen is everyone will then get sent those bank details and they can donate the 100 rand or, or deposit the 100 rand straight into the charity's bank account so it doesn't mean anybody has to collect money all it means is you got to stick to your word saying you're going to donate 100 bucks and whoever wins it the money goes to their charity so you're putting 100 rand in if we can get 100 people that's 10,000 bucks that could go to someone's charity. And you're riding the race anyway. It's just a bit of fun to see who can predict their time. And hey, if you want to give a bit more, you can too. Why not predict some of your cycling mates' times? Let's see if we can do it that way too. Uh, I'd really appreciate it if you would be part of this initiative. It worked really cool for comrades. And I think we can do a lot more for the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge this year because there's a lot more people riding. So uh, if you are riding and you've got a couple of mates riding, if you wouldn't tell them about it, get them involved as well. Uh, pop a tweet out if you don't mind just to help us spread the word. It would be really, really appreciated. All you need to do if you want to be part of it, okay, is head over to the uh, the page, the show notes for this episode of Cycle Talk SA. Uh, you can go over there right now. Uh, it is episode 13, uh, episode 14 rather. Uh, just click on the link that'll take you directly to the uh, Cycle Challenge charity wager page. Fill in your details uh, and then wait to hear back from us. We'll pop you an email. Uh, we'll get you on that list. We'll pop you an email just after race day to find out what your time was. And then we'll pop you an email with who the winner was and who the charity that the money is going to go to. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you can be a part of it. We'd really appreciate it if you would. And if you can help us spread the word about this thing, it is for a great cause. And one charity can win themselves a whole lot of money uh, by doing this too. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd really appreciate that. So enough about me waffling. Our next interview on the show this week is with JP Funsale. <laughs>
Well, this week on Cycle Talk SA, uh, we're talking a little bit about the development of cycling, and uh, there's some cool initiatives that are happening around the country and around the world when it comes to finding new, young, exciting cyclists. And I am so chuffed to be chatting to JP Fonsale, who is one of the directors of the World Cycling Center Africa, who do some pretty cool stuff in that exact space. JP's a former Olympian as well. JP, thanks for, for chatting to us today. really do appreciate your time. Thank you, Brad. It's nice to be on your program. JP, tell me a little bit about the, the WCC Africa. How did it all come about? Well, Brad, in 2004, I had a discussion with the then president of the UCI, and uh, we discussed the, the numbers at the Olympic Games of Africans and decided that we needed to do something to in order to get more Africans at World Championship and, and Olympic Games. And he offered me a position to try and do something in Africa to to start training programs and to uplift the level of racing and, you know, get more African nations involved in cycling. So I started out on a course in 2005 and uh, invited two riders from each national federation across the African continent. And uh, believe it or not, 18 nations turned up. And, yeah, the rest is history. JP, you, you must be really excited. I mean, you, you say that discussion, that initial discussion happened in 2004, so it's, it's not even 10 years ago. And, and if you think about what's happened on the international scene this year in particular, with uh, Daryl Impey being in yellow at the Tour de France for, for the first time as, as the first African to wear yellow at, at that Grand Tour, Chris Froome, who's got strong African connections, obviously born in Kenya, uh, schooled in Joburg and, and did a lot of his professional riding here. And then you look at a, a youngster like Louis Mankies winning silver uh, at, the, at the World Champs in that under-23 road race. You must be pretty excited for the future of, of African cycling. Yeah, those are three very big names, and uh, especially, uh, you know, looking back over the last year, that's transpired. They've actually given us, um, you know, the the same type of thing what Tiger Woods has done for golf, and it's the giving an African hero, um, but now we are three heroes, and it makes it very easy for us at all three different levels to, you know, associate with them for our African riders and say, you can be a Daryl Impey, look at him, you know, he... He's an all-round rider, and you can be even winning the Tour de France like like Chris Froome, or you can be like Louis Menkes. He's He was a young boy that was uh, riding you know, with you guys last year and the year before, and now he's second at the World Championships and racing in a pro-continental team. So, you know, that really helps our cause and helps us uh, when these guys, um, being the nice guys that they are, always spending time with the Africans and, and, and trying to to motivate them and make them believe that they can also do it. So it's great. It's great what's happening. I mean, you, you talk about that belief, JP. I, I chatted to, to Nolan Hoffman uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show here, and I actually asked him that question about it, it was shortly after Louis won silver at, at that World Champs. And I said to him, what does a performance like that do for someone like you? And that was exactly what he said to me. He said, this was a guy who we were riding with a year ago. And I've raced against him, and yes, he's a great cyclist, but I know that I can perform at the same level. And someone like that winning silver gives me the belief that I can perform at that level. And that, that having that belief inside of you, that's half the battle won. I think that's the, the biggest thing that we have that counts against us in, in Europe, that we believe we're from Africa. We believe that we're not as good as them. We believe that they're more special than us, that they've had a, you know, a better training and, I think the whole system has changed so much 
that all the Africans coming through now are actually believing in their ability and that they are actually like running track and field, the Kenyan, Ethiopian uh, type runners, that they are actually special themselves. And, you know, Louis, he just proves it. Daryl proves it. I mean, Chris Froome was actually spent two years at the World Cycling Center, and I happened to be the one that uh, spoke to the then manager to invite him. So, you know, we all have touched each other's lives somehow, and let me tell you, these guys are just leading by example. Yeah, and I think it's the tip of the iceberg as well. I mean, it's if you look at what's happened, I think golf is a good example in South Africa. Uh, if you look at golf 10, 15 years ago, there were a handful of guys, a guy like Ernie Els or Tiff Hoosen, who, who were consistently doing well on the international stage. And what those performances have done in the last couple of years have just sort of opened the way and, and paved the way for a lot of youngsters to come through in golf. And And this performance this year from the Africans on the world stage, 10 years from now, it's going to be exactly the same. Exactly. You know what uh, you just said, Retief Gerson and Ernie Els, they, they were the pioneers for golf. And being an avid golfer myself, you know, I, I look at the youngsters around on the golf course and they all believe that they can win the majors. They can win all these big uh, events. And, and it's the same with the cyclists. When I see uh, my African guys and we speak about that and they're like, oh, I think I would like to win this stage in the Tour de France. What do you think, Coach? Is it possible? And when they talk like that, I get goose goosebumps. It's just they actually start to believe that they can be up there. I love that, JP. I absolutely love that. Let, let, let's go back a little bit about the WCC. You said you had that conversation in 2004. In 2005, you invited uh, every federation to send two, two riders. Talk me through what's happened in the last eight years from 2005 to now that, that we're producing some, some really good athletes out of. Well, you know what's happened is that uh, we targeted – we decided at the at the UCI, at the, the International Cycling Union, that we needed to target the events and get more international events on on the African circuit. And we created a thing called the Africa Tour. Then from the Africa Tour, uh, you know, I tried to motivate some 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 nations to make some races, and you know, we didn't ask them license fees in in order to motivate them to do that, and you know, that they didn't have to pay taxes to the international federation, and also. But strategically, we decided we need to put a plan in place so that they have the level of riders that can actually compete at the international level. Because what happened before was you had one good rider in your national team and, you know, he'd finish the tour and the other five would ride a couple of days and they sit in the hotel room. So our goal was to get a majority of the riders, at least 60 or 70% to be able to finish an international race. And we invested a lot of time in, uh, you know, we, we had special training camps where we would test riders and see, um, you know, what's their different levels and said, okay, we have a benchmark of 4.8 watts per kilo. If you can reach that, we will invite you to the World Cycling Center. If you reach 5.2 watts per kilograms, we're going to send you to Switzerland and you'll be racing in the elite level in Europe. And it was basically baby steps. You know, we, we took our time. It took, you know, yes, it's, it's relatively short, but I think a lot of effort and a lot of uh, hard work from the riders and from the federations has gone and has been part of the success because they started believing. They saw the change. They saw, you know, their riders improving tremendously. And I, I think today, if we're on the circuit and with our World Cycling Center team turn up at a race in South Africa, people are, you know, they respect us and they, they know that we are worthy competitors. 
Yeah, and, and it's such a it's such a feel good story as well, just with with what's happened over the last few years. But but the future's really bright, and and I know you guys also run the, the feeder program for for MT in Quebecer. That story of, of that team is is going to be told for years and years to come, and it hasn't even started yet. Tell us a little bit about that program, that feeder program for Quebecer. So we are the, the, the feeder team for Team Empty in Quebec, and uh, what we did this year was we took 15 riders, gave them a full-time presence in South Africa, and also um, we had uh, six weeks in Europe and also raised the Tour de Rio de Janeiro. And uh, what we did was we strategically um, planned the season so that some of them are better at certain points in the season. We put a training program where we have a, a, a long-term goal, a whole year goal, and not just one or two races and then send them back off uh, to their home. And they live in Potterstrom at the World Cycling Center. Um, our coach, uh, who has his BSc in sports science, uh, Andrew Smith, actually spent so much time teaching these guys how to cook the healthy meals, how to eat correctly. It was a whole mind change of what they were used to at home, you know, teaching them how to use the SRM power systems, you know, sitting with them every day, teaching them, you know, this is what you need to do. That's what you need to download. This is what it means when you do this for your one-minute power. This is how you progressed if you did this for the five-minute power. Oh, so, you know, you woke up this morning and your heart rate was 10 beats higher than, than it was yesterday. You know, that probably means you, you're not going to feel good or you're sick. You know, it's just, it's a whole, you know, learning curve and schooling and teaching them basically to become professionals and be able to be self-sustainable when they go into a professional cycling team one day and not be far behind like we used to be as Africans. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and with MTN Quebec, uh, the year that they've had on the European circuit, and, and next year there, there's tons of excitement. Uh, I mean, I spoke to Douglas Ryder uh, just a few weeks ago as well, and he was saying about the plans for the team and 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 the long term sort of goals of riding the Grand Tours and that sort of thing. These youngsters, uh, I mean, it's within their reach to to be racing in Europe. Absolutely, Brad. You know uh, what M Team MTN Quebec has done for African cycling is is enormous, and and the support they've given us. You know, it's uh, it's been an amazing year, and and just to see the riders change and to make you know see them believe that they can also be there. If you take uh, the whole team empty in Quebec and you look at them, you know, eight of the African riders inside their professional team come from the World Cycling Center Africa. And we are very proud of that to know that one third of that team comes from our school. And that just, we know that we are successful when we see that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that is great news because so often, I mean, you look at some, some of the, the, the sort of pro-continental uh, teams and, and yes, they, they're based from a certain country, but the vast majority of the riders aren't even from that country or, or from that continent, essentially. And it's great to see that MTN Quebec is using this opportunity to grow cycling back on the African continent. Absolutely. You know, um, in, in, in cooperation with the World Cycling Center, I think that's doable and you know, the the changes that you'll see in the next five years will be tremendous. Luckily, we have a three-year contract with uh, Team MT in Quebec, and, you know, we look forward to expanding and to, to you know, become a real feeder team like the European teams and, and show the world and show everybody what we are able to deliver. And, JP, we're talking African cycling, but, but let's look at South African cycling for, for a moment as well. And, and I've said this so often, too. I mean, we've got two of the biggest 
or I say two of the, we have the two biggest time cycling events in the world being the, the, the Momentum 94.7 Cycle Challenge and the, uh, the Cape Argus Pick and Pay Cycle Tour. We've got so many yeah. fun riders in this country. Uh, the culture is there. The, the climate is there. South Africa is just so conducive to, to, to being able to out, uh, be out and ride and that sort of thing. There's no reason why we shouldn't be dominating the world of cycling with the amount of cyclists we have in this country. A program like yours, if there's a youngster that's perhaps listening to this who's, who, who feels he's got a, a bit of ability, what advice could you give that youngster? Maybe he's in high school now and he's going, you know what, I want to be a professional cyclist. I want to be the next Daryl Impey or the next Chris Froome. What advice could you give him now in his early teens to sort of build up to get to where he wants to be? You know, you have many uh, cycling clubs uh, in different regions and also now you have the the Spur uh, Schools series that's, I think, done uh, so much for cycling in a whole. And that will, you know, I think get get involved with your, your cycling club, your local cycling club. Get involved at your school. Uh, find out if they have a cycling club. And then, you know, ask people. Cycling people, you know, is one big family. If you're going to ask for help, people are going to help you. Go to your local bike shop. They'll probably be able to have organized bike rides, you know, uh, the, the 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 most important thing I can probably tell any youngster out there is wear your helmet and know your rules for the road. Yeah, couldn't agree more. JP Fansale, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today. Uh, I think what you guys are doing at the at the WCC Africa is phenomenal. Uh, keep it going because uh, yeah, it's just so amazing to be able to sit at home here in South Africa watching international races and just seeing guys that that we sort of grew up around and and. and sort of know on a personal level doing really well on that stage it's amazing to see and, and long may it continue thank you very much thank you brad thanks for the opportunity and uh, good luck with the show that's it for this week of cycle talk sa my name is brad brown thank you for listening how cool is that story uh, that JP Fonsale shared with us today. What a cool feel-good interview. And it just, uh, yeah, gives me, fills me with tons of hope uh, for cycling in Africa, and in particular in South Africa. I think this last year with the performances of Daryl Impey, uh, Chris Froome, and uh, Louis Mankies, to name just a few of the great riders we're producing in this country, uh, is going to lay the foundation of some great things to come in the years ahead. So looking forward to that. Uh, from myself, Brad Brown, as always, be in touch you can tweet us at CycleTalkSA. You can uh, pop us an email podcast at CycleTalkSA.co.za or like us on Facebook and be in touch that way. So until next week, have yourself a superb week. Uh, stay safe and we'll chat soon. Cheers. Cheers.